Well, what a week we've had. As we stumble on the final edition of the Home and Away chapter in this almost fictitious season of 2020, as some look back and reflect, others are just starting their stories. So welcome as we deliver this week's post-game spray. Welcome, gentlemen. Do you reckon by the end of the season you might be able to get to an intro without stuttering or stumbling or stuffing it up? Well, uh, none of our listeners will know because I'll be re-recording that our first bit, but that's okay. Um, we'll go on to our game previews, obviously the last round of the home and away season. Very pivotal time for the competition. West Coast take on North on Thursday night. Wiz, would you like to talk us through that game? Oh, that would be another blockbuster. I just love tuning into watching the uh, Kanga 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 Roos. They are really good to watch. Boring! Probably not an ideal uh, last game for West Coast going into finals, but they'll just cruise through. Um, might get a couple of their big forwards into gear and kick in a bag. Um, but, yeah, I won't be. I don't think this will be game of the round, Paddy. I think something we saw from West Coast last week against St Kilda, when the, it did, time did, on, did get on the chopping block and everything was kind of weighed up, that their good players and their experienced players did well for them. Their Callies, their Sheeds kind of all... Culminated to what they were. Uh, well, they I think Sheed played. I'm sure he didn't play, mate. Who didn't yeah. play? Who played? Tim, Tim Kelly was very good, though. Kelly was very good. Mm. Well, all their all their Alpha good maybe? players. Is that who you're looking for? Yeah, maybe. But all their good players culminated to a good result for them, and I just think probably what St Kilda didn't have. So that's you know what culminated means? Like all like came together, isn't it? Culminated is a finish, like the end of something. Yes. Yeah, well, it all culminated to a good. The crescendo. Not sure if that's quite the word I would use, but yes, it was yeah. a. Com- it was good. Oh, I anyway, thought Paddy, it was good, Paddy. I thought. We'll I thought. Keep going, man. I we'll thought it was. We'll bail you out, Paddy. But um, the West Coast Eagles were fantastic in that last quarter. You know, against the walls, and they came back. I thought they were really, really well coached um, by Simpson and the, the fellow coaches to to win that game. It was a very professional performance by the twenty two blokes on the ground. So. Uh, right on to them, and they've put themselves in a position to obviously either make top four or get a home final in the first week. We'll move on to the next game with St Kilda and GWS. Like I said before, GWS probably, uh, sorry, St Kilda probably didn't have that experience of that um, big game presence and knowing how to finish it off. You saw a couple of things, AFL 360 digested and what certain plays did in certain times compared to West Coast players and how they could do it. I just think it's a real scary scenario for... St Kilda to if they do make finals probably shows that they're incapable of going deep or if they do go into this week and if they have the possibility of losing that their season's going to be shot and over that quickly and it's going to be that disappointing. Anyone? Um, yeah, I'll go. Um, I think I think obviously it's a big game because if St Kilda lose their massive chance of missing finals altogether. Um, but I think with the way the Giants are playing, I think really if St Kilda are going to be a final side. They have to win these games. And if they don't win it, then they don't deserve to be there. Um, I don't think they're going to cause any damage if they do make it. the damage! But because I think they're finishing exactly where they probably deserve to finish. They're better than the sides below them and they're not, not quite up to those um, top five sides. I think there's a clear gap between the top five and then the rest of the competition at the moment. And yeah, St Kilda and just that um, rung below. I agree with Frank there. Uh, I think it'd be a massive disappointment for the St Kilda faithful if they don't make the finals. I think they've probably, well, they've definitely done everything they can to this point and have put themselves in the position. So the, the, the gap is there. As Frank said, they don't have the A-graders. So you saw Kelly 
go to a new level. I know Kennedy had an ordinary night, but late he was excellent. Gaff was excellent when the chips were down. Uh, you know, Steele's had improved heaps, but they still don't have the real top A-grade talent, I don't think. And that's what uh, comes to the fore in late games, big games. So, But I think, as I said, if you are a St Kilda supporter, I'd be pretty devastated if they didn't make the finals after this year. So big game for them against GWS, and they've probably got a little bit more to play for. Uh, let's go into the Orange Army uh, on the other side of, of the ground. I just, I really hate when football club, oh, the media come out of football clubs. Because I find it, I've only played local footy, but they talk about pride of a club and and pride and the tradition and how it's kind of got over. They, they brought that up with Melbourne this week, going the tradition of the club, they've gritted it out. I feel like that's complete and utter bullshit, like saying that, Gold, uh, GWS don't have a soul within the club. That's the, the cases are just not good enough, I don't think. And I just think that's a little bit of an excuse. And also degrades Melbourne a little bit how actually well they played on the weekend. So I just don't like how they say and come out that there's external kind of pressures that made it like that and that there's a soul of the football club rather than just that they didn't perform good enough. And at the end of the day, it's, a, it's an industry of wins and losses. So they just need to get that out of their heads. But uh, anyone else on that game? No, just on, just on that, Paddy, I think... I think what you're saying is right in one res- in one respect, but um, at the end of the day, they're professional footballers. So what happened in the history of the club shouldn't shouldn't matter. They should still be able to turn up on game day and give 110% and give a crack. That's their job. And they the Giants just haven't turned up this year and hasn't been good enough. So I think that's um, an aspect that the media's missed the mark on there. I know we've given some flack to Leon Cameron a few times, but Jake Ricard has been their most dangerous forward the last couple of weeks with with Daniels. And he got managed for around 17 game that was vital to shape their final eight chances. And now they're on the brink of really having a disappointing season. And, you know, I thought they were actually okay against the, the Ds. You know, it was a really good game of footy. But the, their forward 50 connection is, again, a problem, which is, which is stand out, or stood out many times this year for them. So I just... just Another little, you know, selection error, obviously with Caniculo out as well, which was uh, pretty rare shit. So, um, big game for the Giants this week. Oh, the ship sailed, I reckon, because, you know, they, they had Adelaide. The bottom side, I know Adelaide have hit a bit of form, but they've now got to hope that they've obviously got to beat St Kilda. They've got to hope Bulldogs lose and get more percentage than Melbourne as well, if Melbourne happened to win. So... The, it's gone and Dev spot on. Dropping uh, managing Riccardi and dropping Caniglia for that game is just absolutely farcical. There's a reason why clubs haven't dropped a captain in 22 years because it's not good for the culture of the joint. Captains normally, you know, there's been a lot worse captains in terms of ability than Steve Caniglia over the last. Oh, and Vanderbilt letting lefts and rights go. Oh, you can't do that. 20 years, but it just clubs stick by it and have their leaders on the ground and you can't tell me that he couldn't have played in another position if he's not in their best four or five midfielders where he could have been valued to that side. So, pretty ordinary year, another wasted year with the talent they've got. Very good point, Jets. Going to the next game, Essendon take on Melbourne. Melbourne playing the first spot in the top eight. Pivotal, I just, I don't have much to say about the D's game plan on the weekend, but I think what they did showed a lot of character the way they could grind out a win, but also play football the way they wanted. To an extent, it wasn't just kind of a hard, long slog and the result went their way. They played good footy. They stuck to their structures and Jay West did have a crack at them. But uh, I just think Melbourne, it showed a lot about their character this weekend and kind of goes a little bit more against 
set against the soul of a football club, but I reckon that kept the Melbourne faithful pretty happy that performance. Big, big win for the D's. Big win. They um, kept themselves alive, so well done. It's a good game of footy as well against the Giants. But, uh, yeah, Goodwin probably uh, escapes the pressure if they can if they can sneak in. But, you know, I'm not holding my breath. Yeah, I think one good thing that Melbourne have done in the past few weeks is they've won a couple of close games against the sides around them. Where, you know, they beat St Kilda um, in a tight one. That was a really good win. And then they beat... And then obviously the Giants last week in the game, and I reckon, you know, sides that are not up to final standard lose lose those games. I still reckon Melbourne probably deserve um, to snag that eighth spot when they're playing their best footy and coming up against Essendon this week, who are absolutely deplorable at the moment. And I will be touching on them later in the uh, podcast, but they should give them an absolute flogging this week as Essendon have checked out. John Westfold has well and truly checked out and the D's will get the job done. Is Do that a, think- uh, sorry, Pay, I was to say, Westfold's had a pretty uh, easy run this year. Now he's uh, leaving the ship and just park himself on the bench all year and let run run the show. Easy money. Very I think it's a real interesting way Essendon have gone about it with kind of... I know uh, Robbo last night talked about it on 360, how he goes. They've kind of squashed the honeymoon period for Ben Rutten and haven't given him a chance of kind of building his own side. And a lot of, I reckon, external people will look at Ben Rutten as as soon as he gets into the job, in it, he'll be ready to go. And I think you'll notice until you're a full head coach that that isn't the case. But that's just my opinion. I think it could go either way. But um, go on to the next game. Adelaide take on... Richmond, first is to touch on one little thing. A couple of us earlier in the year uh, were backing to uh, sack Matty Nix. And I just reckon everyone needs to get around him now. He's done great stuff for football. There was an article that Kane Corns wrote last week about him and Ken Hinckley and what nice guys always finish last. And nice guys always finish last, should have known that. All that stuff. And I just think that there is some morality in football. He's done well. He's a good man, Matty Nix. So just get around him and he's doing good things for Adelaide, I reckon. Anyone else's thoughts? I think that was uh, Fez that was really getting stuck into Matty Nick's Adelaide. Uh, and and Durf. And I was also there. I'll, I'll, I'll say I, I wasn't. Oh, was me and you, Frankie, we were the ones that stuck true. A little, just, a, just a little early, just a little early get around me. I did say Adelaide would, would win a game and I'd, yeah, but I'll touch on that later as well, actually. But uh, look, Adelaide <laughs> playing some good footy at the moment. Um, but really, I mean, Richmond should get the job done, but it's probably not as easy a game as we thought. Um, you know, a month ago, because Adelaide, three in a row, form team with the competition and um, their good players are starting to play some really good footy in you know, Laird, the Crouch boys. Rory Sloan was good on the weekend as well. Um, so when they when it's amazing what happens when your good players start playing some good footy and then the youngsters like um, Lockie Scholl um, and those young boys, Schoenberg as well, um, just go to another level. Just, uh, Frank's just mentioned uh, one of the Crouches there. Since Brad Crouch has gone on, Adelaide Footy Club just gone from strength to strength. There's clear uh, synergy there between post-game spray and some success. So if uh, there's any clubs out there listening, get get someone on here. And uh, Trent McKenzie gone to another level since being on post-game spray. New yeah, contract well yeah. Another couple of years. So serve them up, boys. Serve them up. <laughs> Drew Petrie can come back to AFL. Well, why not? <laughs> Why not? The biggest thing for Adelaide is they've got some momentum into their pre-season now. Uh, not winning a game, you know, going to a, 
the 2021 preseason would have been you know, some real soul searching, but they've they finally know how to win. They've got some wins on the board. They've got a distinct game plan and style of play, which is starting to mesh and, and you can see it starting to work on the field. And at the end of the day, we're seeing the results. So good on the Crows. And um, yeah, I reckon they might give Tigers a run for their money on Saturday. I would love to see them get off the bottom of the ladder and give North a wood spoon. That would be... Kanga, Kanga, Kanga! Ray, Ray, Ray! Quality. This would be just... We've got, to, uh, we've got to touch it. The Richmond were absolutely unbelievable against Geelong. We, we will discuss that. And I said I didn't have a spray. I've changed my mind. I've remembered a few things. The brains just kicked in. Um, but the Tigers were just really, really good. Unfortunate that they've lost uh, lost Soldo. And who's the other injured? Uh, Lynch. Has, been, has anyone heard what the severity of that is? Lynch is coming? just a three 21 days, it said. It'll yeah. Be. It that depends. puts him in a bit of doubt for the first final. Depends so that, when that first final is. Yeah, so I think mean, they're pretty confident he'll be able, he'll be right for the first final. Depending on what date it is, also could uh, depend if he plays that game or not. Well, Chol Chol comes in for uh, Big Avan. As uh, Chol, okay, let me know. I think he kicked five or six in a pracky on. Um, yeah, Chol's at the level, but it, it's uh, Nankervis is the one that's going to have to stand up now. He's um, just been going nank the tank. So uh, O'Brien this week, O'Brien's been fantastic. So give Adelaide one thing. They definitely nailed keeping O'Brien and moving on old source. So, yeah, I think Tigers will win this game. It's not an extremely scary thing for the Tigers to lose these players at this stage. Obviously, 2017, they went in with a similar structure, how they went with the role with the one tall forward, and it obviously worked for them if you look at history. But... Uh, I just think it's not extremely bad things, bad times at Richmond in, on the injury front as they've got blokes waiting in the wings, as Jordan mentioned before. Now, Frankie, Blues take on Brisbane. Would you like to kick us off? Da, 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 da. Um, yeah, we, we, we will get a pumping on uh, Saturday night. Don't you know, pump it up. Um, although, it's going to be a sad night, Frank, isn't it? Yeah, very sad opposite, night with Frank, that. Now club. the season's over, mate. You'll come out all fired up. Club legend. <laughs> well, look, we can't we'll lift for uh, club legend Kate Simpson, uh, his final game. Then we'll um, struggle to get up for any game. So we should be up and about for that, um, even though I don't think he's retired. I reckon we've given him the tap on the shoulder and said, hey, you're not getting a new contract. Um, no but I won't, no won't go into all those details. Um, but, yeah, I think it'll be a bit of an ugly night for... The Blue Boys with Brisbane uh, just looking to get themselves set up for the finals. Uh, Honey, why don't why don't you fucking give me an intro or something? <laughs> Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've waited for. Uh, Fez is here, guys. Air gun, mate. Um, we'll go That's on. Right. I'll just want to touch on. I don't want to flog the dead horse with Carlton, even though they're the big rival. But David Teague just has a little. Uh, He's got a little work to do, I think, with his coaching and how he addresses the media. I think saying your side's not too far away when you lose to arguably the worst side that's ever played AFL is probably not the right thing. Is it the difference of just missing targets or not taking those marks or actually just playing football? I just think that to say something you're not far away is probably the wrong probably the wrong cliche to roll with as a coach at this stage. You know, coaches love rolling with them, but I just think that maybe to show that there's more disappoint on a disappointment front than rather than being uh, looking forward necessarily all the time, just being able to adapt to the situation. But it's my opinion, once again, that is football. Now, I just want to go on to Brisbane. I just think 
in finals footy, playing not playing good footy for a quarter and a half takes you out of the game. And I think they've done it consistently against sides that are worse than them and they've been un- unable to punish them when they have been down. So I just think for Brisbane, it's uh, very hard it's to see them winning a game unless they versus West Coast in the top four at the Gabba. Um, hard, very hard to see them winning a game because I think good sides will put them away pretty easily in finals. I think you're right, Paddy. I've seen uh, the one that springs to mind is Geelong. They were in front against Geelong at halftime and didn't show up in the third quarter and got absolutely pummeled. Um, they've, they are where they are for a reason. They've had a good year, but uh, we've spoken about Andrews going down. Um, Payne's played all right back there, but uh, we've also spoken about their forward line not being that menacing and it's going to be hard for them, I think. But playing home finals together does help, but they played two there last year and lost them both. So we'll see. Jury's out. Fair enough. Dude, what a game are you playing this week, by the way? I forgot to ask. Uh, Colin with Port, Matt. Oh, he's just back in your number one. (laughs) Just warming him up for finals. Uh, Go on to next game, Hawthorne taking the Gold Coast. Uh, The thing is, with Gold Coast, it's unfortunate to see the back end of their season's gone. Probably not as as much reward as they'd want with the start of the season they wanted, but very good signs, obviously, not becoming pushover the club they have been for the last two or three or four years. So just good signs for Gold Coast. Anyone else thinking of touching on this game? Uh, not much sad, but Gold Coast value at a dollar sixty six. I reckon. Oh no, nah, I'm on the hooks this week. I reckon Francis. Uh, no good, man. No, they're not. But uh, I don't think the Gold Coast are either. Where, so... where does Paul Poirflo rate in the worst 198 gamers? Hi, hi. Oh, oh, he, he, I reckon he would have made the list earlier in the year. He cracked two hundred. He, he uh, fits into the category of because you know, he's won a couple of flags. He just gets elevated a bit more than. It's won three fucking flags, Paul Poffalo. Unbelievable. <laughs> Do you know the other stat that blew my mind about Paul Poffalo is he, since 2012, he is the number one player in the comp for 450 pressure acts. Yeah, well, that's probably Maybe why. Maybe we underrate him. Just plays his role, mate. Selfless. Yeah, that's... That's what good sides have. They have blokes who are willing to do the grunt work, and he's been one of those. So one well, under Poppy on a uh, outstanding 198 game career. But the other one that blew my mind was Ben Stratton has not kicked a goal since his first season in AFL footy. That is I just some rare that. shit. One of one of sure three Jake players. Ashley ends up with a stat like that. He well, he hasn't kicked one yet. He loses the plot when he gets within the fourth <laughs> half of the ground. Sorry, it's just interesting stat uh, during the week. Ben Stratton's one of three players that's kicked less, sorry, one more premierships than kicked goals. So that's a real, that's a pretty that's good stat, I reckon. That's a great stat, Paddy. I reckon that's a great stat, Dave. Uh, as you'd say, a stand captain of the Hawthorne. I reckon he'd be a good bloke to have a beer with Ben Stratton. And he I seems reckon. like a pretty laid-back, loose unit. I've actually, uh, yeah, I've actually I've actually got that, got that against him. <laughs> I've seen a photo from Ben Stratton's wedding and it wasn't uh, pretty, fair to say at least, for someone that was getting married. Just a couple of local guys in the in the. What, what was <laughs> he pissed? Scoop, what are you going with? <laughs> was that a scoop? Give us some more detail there, dude. Or at least share the photo. One of the others. Just give us something. <laughs> I'll have to find it and send it to you, blokes. Okay. Oh, we'll, we'll look forward to that. Was he pissed? We'll just uh, we'll keep it off air until we see it. Then just we'll make it. Under the judgment. weather, by the sounds of it, Fez. Just, uh, Sounds, has anyone seen, well going real off topic here but has anyone seen the DJ Fisher on his wedding yeah he's cool. him and his missus were absolutely <laughs> blind it can't be any worse than that dude uh, it's, 
definitely for our premiums for to see these photos premium subscription uh just send all the money to my bank details and i'll give you that um <laughs> no it's on it's on derv's only fans <laughs> um anyone else on this sydney oh no and the whole no, this is about as irrelevant as it gets for football buddy or <laughs> yeah. Coast. yeah it's uh it's definitely the 20 time slot on a sunday now there was a couple messages in the group chat during the week and they go, let me, the two Geelong supporters go, let me unload for six hours on the Caps and everything they've done and Scott and all this and they've gone on, they're flustered, they've gone red. So I'm just going to get my little bit in first and then I advise viewers you can skip 32 minutes of the podcast and then them two have stopped. Yours will be Caps, so get it over and done with quick. <laughs> so mine is just on Geelong firstly, I just... Once again, I don't like flogging the dead horse. I know I've said that a couple of times today, but it's just probably their yeah, bottom... Clearly you do. It, yeah. It's the bottom four players in Geelong that um, haven't, like, a, those type players for them that haven't stood up. They've definitely got the top-end talent with everything in that department. Hey, but the top-end talent. Or the bottom no, end. The, the bottom, the bottom yeah. four from the weekend aren't going to be there next week or this week or again this year. Yeah, name, name, right. who are you talking you're about? Right. I was thinking so. people like Henry Radigal, actually played a right the last quarter that uh, last week. Those type of players that are their, their spot fillers kind of thing, you, they, you can kind of see him around right. the ground. Henry's played every game this year. Henry's a spot filler and I reckon you'll be there. I reckon, I, he's, the best but he, he, I reckon he's a Maybe Fogarty and maybe close uh, Atkins might fall in that category. I just reckon... Uh, Henry's a bit of a battler, but that's just my opinion. But I know you guys don't like getting attacked, you Geelong supporters. So now, no, you don't like getting attacked with facts, not fiction. <laughs> anyway, you... Got... you go first, Fez. Fez. Oh, I'm going to somewhat agree with Patty and that those shitter players. The it's not the the shitter players. The blokes that you get nervous when the ball's in the handoff, and Fogarty won't be there. But Henry, Coladajni, Buse, um, blokes especially down back when when the pressure goes on, they consistently move the ball too slow because they get nervous about their ball use, rightly so. And then when you move the ball too slow, you can't play the chip game. If you're going to play the possession, maintain the footy game, you have to grab it, turn, hit, because if you go too slow, the opposition mans up or, or gets their zone in place. So... I reckon those if what Geelong's done really well this year is get the ball in the hands of Yemenagolas, Duncan's good ball users as often as possible to kick through those zones or those sort of things. And too often Richmond got in the hands of their the the slower ball users. They got nervous about going. It went too slow. Um, I have had a chance to cool down somewhat. Since Friday night, uh, Friday night was it? I was extremely fired up during the game. The game plan was just shit. Um, and as soon as their chipping game gets shut down, they reverted straight back to long bomb shit to outnumbered contests. And it is truly painful to watch. They've done it in all the finals they've lost in the last five to ten years. <laughs> just bomb down the line makes me sick. Why was Mark O'Connor playing on Nick Rewalt? Can someone? Why was Mark O'Connor playing on Jack Rewalt multiple times? He got stuck on Jack Rewalt. There is just zero, zero reason in any football world where Mark O'Connor is the main defender for Jack Rewalt. 90% of the time, I have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. Jarvis, what the fuck was he brought into the side for? That was one of the worst late inclusions in AFL history. 
Fogarty played like a spastic. There is genuinely one brain between the Scott boys. One brain between them. They've lost the plot, those two. Uh, just, I haven't got a lot to add, but O'Connor 191 centimetres plays a small 191 as well because you've got Rewild at 195, you've got Blitzars at 198, you've got uh, Henderson at 198, you've got Taylor at 196, you've got Colin Jasney at 193. So who do we play on the 195? Single key forward at that stage because Lynch is off again. Uh, we'll just play Marky Mark, old O'Connor on him, who's undersized. Or you've got five other blokes, Henry's over 190 as well, who are just there waiting in the wings. But no, we'll just play O'Connor on Rewalt and move the pensioner from who hasn't had a kick all year to just dismantle and kick four. So one under Jack, he took advantage of an uh, undersized defender on him. But Chris Scott, you are no good, mate. Especially when Colin Jasny has done a good job on Rewalt the last few times so long I've played Richmond. Is a... Uh... Is anyone else brave enough to talk about the Cats or do we want to move on to Sydney? Or the, or the, or the, yeah. <laughs> oh, the Swannies. The Swannies are a no pushover this week and the Cats, if they lose, won't finish top four. So, uh, might need to regather some form. Hopefully, Ablett, Stanley, Tui. Uh, no, Tui's already back. Ablett, Stanley, Selwood. Rowan so back in. He surely plays this week, Selwood, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. they, there's different reports. Originally, he was missing the second stint because of a knee. Now it's back to a hammy. Like, I don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Scott, uh, Scott playing, con- with the, playing with the uh, medical team there. I think John confirmed so it's back. So. Yeah, ready to go to the goal scoring key 10 this week. The son of the man! Uh, <laughs> going to the next game, I reckon will be a thrilling game. Uh, dogs take on Freeman on two sides. The thereabouts, dogs can make it. Freo can't, but I still would have put up a fight, I reckon. I think with their game plan style and what they want to do moving forward, uh, they'll go well. But um, I just want to talk about the dogs for a little bit. We touched on it a little bit earlier in the year. I think it was Fez, how their game style is so dependent on the opposition and how they play as well. Just their handball game. I think Nick Rewalt was talking about it on Saturday or Sunday night and how that it suits them and they've done it and they've kind of reinvigorated, oh, not re- re- um, reinvented the Richmond game style. They've done the handball and overlap. But I think that the thing Richmond do really well is that they can adapt to how their opposition play. And the dogs have a very one-dimensional handball game if there is such a thing. So that's just my point of view on their uh, just, game just plan. On just on that, Patty, I reckon Richmond always move the ball forward and they've got a very forward handball game where the dogs are much more likely to handball at the back as Durf has spoken about before. So they are, they both handball a little bit more than you probably notice other sides doing, but I reckon they do it pretty differently. I reckon, dogs will, I reckon dogs will struggle with that sort of game come finals time if they play night games up in Queensland as well with the Jew settling in. The Jew was certainly uh, up and about last night at the Gabba for the Collingwood game and they're playing in Cairns this week where it's going to only be worse and I think it'll really suit Fremantle and I wouldn't be surprised to see them knock the dogs off even though they don't have much to play for. The one thing the dogs have got going for the moment is they're really good players are playing well. Um, you know, it's been, Bont and Cripps have been compared for a long time but Bont's been able to lift the troops but he's also had a lot more help um, with McRae and Smith and Dunkley and Libertor They've got a really good midfield, so... Um, Who would you take with, Bont or Cripps at the moment? Uh, right at the moment, and you take Bont. 12 months ago, you would have taken Cripps, but... Um, what about for next year? Oh, 
It's your chance, Wiz. Literally, yeah, I don't know. You need a great warning for this sort of question. No, get off the it. fucking fence, Wiz. <laughs> I, I think Bond, I think he can play forward better than Cripps. And I just, yeah, I think he damages the opposition a little bit more. But I'd be I'm happy with saying, Cripps as well. Good just saying steam coming out of Frank's ears down the bottom there. <laughs> Won't, won't I argue that Bond's had a better year. I don't think I'll that's, t- I'll, I'll, I'll that's take tears out of the eyes, not, not steam out of the ears. Crips um, for me. Just want to touch on one more thing, not necessarily on Fremantle or the dogs, but I think when you get to the uh, business end of the season, you normally see it. Sides that defend well start to play better. Seeing finals footy, normally good defences hold up rather than overly attacking, not overly attacking sides, but sides that... Uh, have that kind of variable uh, inside forward fifty inside their forward fifty. So I think sides like Melbourne did it really well last week. Fremantle obviously not getting not going to play uh, finals footy, but you can see they're going in the right direction. Um, aren't getting flogged at this time of the year. We normally see uh, the gap in the in the competition. So I just think that that's a real uh, pivotal thing for good sides. West Coast as well, obviously McGovern out with that, but they really are professional behind the ball and they know exactly what to do. Derv. Yeah, you spot on with that, Paddy. I think Freo do that better than anyone. I think playing at Cairns down at Cazalias is a big cross for the dogs this week. I don't know how their game style, which we've just talked about, will suit playing at a venue that's quite open and you need a kick, you know, especially with the wind. And a lot of clubs don't play a lot of games when they're playing two cores with the wind and against the wind, etc. So Freo played there a couple of weeks ago. They played a really smart game against Melbourne. And as Frank touched on, I think Freo could uh, cause a bit of an upset to, uh, on Sunday night. So, fair enough, that. We'll go on to the last game of the round. Pies take on Port Adelaide. Port Adelaide just seemed to be getting the job done at the moment. Uh, beat Essendon by, I think it was eight goals or something in the end or whatever the margin was. And I just think... At the business end of the season, they're looking good. They're not necessarily playing their best football, but they're just getting the job done, setting themselves up for hopefully a big final series for those Port Adelaide fans. Anyone else? Um, I think Collingwood will get touched up this week. But Port, I went to the game last night and I wasn't very impressed with what they dished up. Um, absolute one-man band up forward with Dugowie. Um, Obviously, he's a star, but I'm not sure you can... Re- rely on trying to get a team every single time to kick your goals. Um, and I think, yeah, Port get the job done against the lower side. So I reckon, yeah, Port will touch Collingwood up. And cause, yeah, I don't think Collingwood are quite up to that level at the moment. I completely agree with you, Frank, with the Dugowie and the structure around the side. You looked at it early in the year and it was questioned when we were scoring a lot, but it was realised that it was coming directly from Dugowie. We kicked, I think, five or six against the Cats and obviously kicked four last night. I just think, like you said, when you have a good side and you do have a good lockdown defender, those X-factor type of players, if they go missing for three quarters, that's all your forward structure. And your uh, goal scoring and your whole team's um, score gone. So I just think there's, it's not necessarily bad for the Pies that, with that and with the goey, it's obviously hard not to pick him. But, uh, yeah, we... I reckon that's more you need. It, but I don't think there's any lockdown defender that can fully shut down the goey. He's good in too many areas. It's more if you sit three blokes on him. Mm. I reckon you can afford to do that with Collingwood four line at the moment with blokes like Josh Thomas running around. Yeah, my, my check's the one that hasn't recaptured his early season form. And I know Cox was okay last night, and I'll, I'll touch on Mason Cox a bit later on. Oh, but was okay. He was okay, mate. He kicked two. He didn't kick seven. 
Maybe I'll say we'll talk a bit more that, mate. You, you, that, you can you refute that. some things later on. You got that. But my check uh, is the one that can kick multiple goals out of that venue. Cox is a one or two goal man. Um, but Brody hasn't quite recovered from that massive KO. So, uh, but I'm with Frank. I think Boyle, they get the chocolates here. But midfield, a few troops back for the Pies. If they can somehow squeeze how inside bottom. Uh, Wizards just uh, muted himself for some reason. I, I was finished, mate. I was finished. Uh, the dog's barking next door, so I just muted himself. <laughs> okay, well, I was, I was so confused with that. Uh, like we said, we did want to touch on Mason Cox a little bit. I'll just do it. Obviously, the stuff set surrounding him. What, Wiz? What, what's that look for? I just said we'll touch on Mason later, but keep going. You go, mate. You're running the show. I was uh, just going to say... Lily in the get around me, I was wrong section, Paddy. Uh, I, I wasn't going to say get around me or I was wrong section, but I was just going to talk. I'll, I'll find we can do it because there's a real depth there for me. Um, <laughs> so, so what we're looking forward to this week, I'll kick us off. Myself, the Freo Bulldogs game, I think will show the Bulldogs character and if they can uh, have a 100th September glory or October glory, whatever it's going to be. So that's just for me. Derv, you? Yeah, the same on similar lines. I think this the... The battle for that eighth place in the eights could be very fascinating. There's a lot of different combinations that uh, could go down over the, the course of the nine games this week. So looking forward to seeing how it plays out. And I think from a game point of view, I'm looking forward to Adelaide and Richmond. I think that might uh, surprise a few people in the, in the quality of that game on Saturday. Oh, I'm looking for, forward to uh, this round finishing and finals commencing. I'm with Fez. I didn't think I, I was begging for Footy to come back in the break, but it's been a bit of a long haul the last couple of weeks. It's been hard to watch. There's nothing else to do, so you still got to watch it. But finding myself not glued to the footy last week. So I, with Fez. And you know what else I think it does do? And it's obviously a different year this year, but I think the 17 games might be a bit right because there's so, there's, couldn't think of watching another five rounds at the moment. Um, a lot of irrelevant games. And it's easier when you can go out and do things. And But when you're in um, lockdown, this round 17's work pretty, 17 round seasons work pretty well. But uh, I think the St Kilda GWS game might be the one because these, they both have a shot at making the finals. And if they lose, they're both probably out. So I think that's going to be the game of the round. I agree. I agree with you about the 17 rounds. And I think... Now, I've been big on it for years. I reckon the, the NFL's the best at it. They show 16 games, even it's half the number of teams they got, but every game's so important and it's, and it's probably the best run comp in the world. Um, I think the AFL have an opportunity to do it because there's such a... It was never going to happen while there was so much money around the TV rights and stuff, but this has just thrown so much shit into the air they actually have an opportunity, I think, to reset it and do it how they want it. So I would 100% change it to play every team once. I'm with Red. Frank? Yeah, no, I definitely agree with playing everyone once. Adds to the fairness of the competition as well. Unfortunately, I think they'll go the other way and try and squeeze even more games in, which will be unfortunate. But what I'm looking forward to is West Coast really giving North Melbourne absolute flogging by like talking 70, 80 points, really ruining their percentage. And then Adelaide putting up a nice contest against 
Richmond. They might not win, but making it close and North Melbourne finishing on the bottom of the ladder. <laughs> that would you're take you're, from North Melbourne. Oh, I'm just you're a sadistic prick, Frank. No, I, I just want to. I just want to hear. I just want to, you know, ask the North Melbourne supporters where they're begging for. You know, you know what? They always beg for prime time. They've got a prime time Thursday night game this week. Let's see what they dish up because I guarantee it's going to be absolute shit. Probably goes off uh, a bit of emotion there with Carlton's one photo night game last year. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair enough. Yeah, but well, I don't sit. I don't sit here and complain about it every week like North Melbourne do. I cry yes. poor, but that's because it's no good. Frank, you must know some North supporters that are real sort of sour units. Hawks. No, nah, they just, Hux, they just threw my head in. The ten of them, they all they do is complain. Facebook is this Facebook work or? Oh, just just general North Melbourne. Just don't like him, mate. North Melbourne. Really North don't Mal. like him. I've got a strong dislike for North Melbourne. Oh. <laughs> you shouldn't have <laughs> Wouldn't have picked it up, Frank. <laughs> they're with, they're, I don't know why, but they're right up there with my most hated team. Anyway, Essendon have gone a new level with me this year. Oh, yeah. Ray Shaw was a real sorry, sad panda after yeah, the game on yeah. Uh, yeah. the weekend. Jeez. Yeah, it was. Uh, you back to old Mopey Reese. Yeah, boys, yeah. Well, he's probably uh, he's probably just come to the realization that he's stuck with these blokes for another year. So well, when you win one of your last fifteen, that's what it'll do to you. I, they've Aiden Cause declared he's coming back to Victoria. Their hopes and <laughs> that he's gonna bring them to the promised land, mate. He's their <laughs> biggest Aiden, signing Aiden Cause since the war. Brown. And then did you hear that GWS gave their players a massive cook today or yesterday? Yes, about, I did say that. Jason McCartney said, "Yeah, about yeah. you know, if you're not in, you're out. Get out. Might as well ship off." No, weird, I, weird, weird, I think there's eight. Weird core saying he's leaving before the end of the season. Yeah, it's there's shit going on at that footy club. Well, he won't get another game, will he? Yeah, is he, will. he injured? Yeah, well, they're going to pick right, him enough. after he said he's gone. I don't, I'm not be, so sure. It'd be interesting to see. They've just, their, they've just they just dropped their captain. Dropped their captain. He's not exactly a top look run. Did Cork play last week? Yeah. He's played every game for the year. He's one, I reckon he's one of their well, he, is, he, is he the first player ever to announce their leaving before the end of the season? Oh, I can't remember any others off the top of my head. There's some real Jeffrey Epstein Island unknowns going on at GWS. It's just there's a lot behind closed doors that I don't think will ever be uncovered and probably won't be uncovered for the best. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. I'm not sure it's quite that level, but... It's I probably... <laughs> Probably has drag, nothing to do drag with... this real into the mud there, Pat. <laughs> so uh, if anyone's listening to GWS and they want to clear it up, they can. Um, let's go to our big calls for this week. Uh, mine, I love the big forward. I'm going to opt for the free medal game. That's what I'm looking forward to. I'm backing big Matty Tabernar for five. Oh, to, in, uh... the, in the cans <laughs> due, you're off the head, mate. One of the worst calls in the UK. <laughs> I just reckon big, Matt, big Matty Tabs will step up to the plate. I think it's Gazali Stadium, and we'll just it'll be called Matty Tabernar Stadium after this week. So just get around Tabs, five big sausage rolls for myself. Wiz, your big call for the week. Well, well we didn't touch on my one from last week and get around me. I was wrong. So I'm probably due to bounce back a little bit this week. Uh, I'm going to go G Ablett, 15 and two goals in his return. Just a nice little... Return for the, the GOAT. I can't wait to watch his last few games of footy and hopefully we can send him off with a flag. The son of the man! Wow. Sign him up next year. Sign him up. Oh, buddy, if Sean Bergwijn go on, Ablett can play for another 10 years, I reckon. I reckon the rig of Sean Bergwijn is a little bit better than Ablett at the moment. Uh, not his performances aren't. 
interested to see what Gary rolls out with this week. Been wearing, been wearing some real loose shirts in, in ISO. Some real loose shirts. Hang on. Whoa, whoa, hang on. Before we go there, Jake Stringer's rig at the moment. Was that... Nah, have we touched we'll, on that? No, nah, we'll, we'll touch on that later. I'm going to touch on that later. Good, good. Well, I think, I think Frank's in the same boat as me. Good. Uh, Dirt, what is your big call for the week? Uh, my big call, Paddy, this week is to... There will be no change to the bottom half of the eight. And Brisbane will steal top spot. Ooh. Well, I can live. Is that, is that the Pies win, that scenario? Or is it just that Brisbane have to flog the side? Oh, the Pies at home work that out for themselves. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Paddy needs to get the whiteboard out and start drawing <laughs> up the things here. That's a Pies win, Paddy. Thank you. I, was, I wasn't sure about the... Um... But I don't also assume you're Carlton lost, so mm. tough-ass, Dave. Flag Pies? No, I wouldn't have thought so. Uh, who hasn't had their big call? Frank, good call. Uh, yeah. I'm going to go uh, St Kilda to beat the Giants. And Max King, who's copped a little bit of stick over recent weeks, to kick it four. That was my one from last week about Max King. Oh, I, the one I forgot. It was him and he didn't end up playing. So it was relevant. I can win this week. Good call. Anyone else on their big call this week? Yep. Yep. Me. Blues will win. This is, this is as calm as it gets. <laughs> Lose when it's important, win when the season's done, <laughs> knock off second of the ladder. This is vintage Carlton. And the other, oh, this is a really not big call, but Eddie Betts kicked no goals. Really not, really not big call. But go on with that now, again. Frank, Eddie wants hang to, them up, Eddie. Eddie wants to, hang them up, mate. Eddie wants to know his future before the weekend. Uh, let's just see if anyone on that list management team has a set of testicles. Let's just have honestly. This should be the briefest list management discussion in AFL history. Yeah, so I'd, uh, I'd like to inquire about my contract. Ed, you're done, mate. You're washed up. You are washed up. You are washed up last year. We gave you a pity contract to try and sell a few memberships. Honestly, mate, get your gear and piss off. It's, uh, it's good, mates, with Tegi, mate. Tegi wants him. The list management team are against Have some testicles. Not balls, testicles. We're correct here, guys. Okay, we're going to get around me slash I was wrong. Firstly, I'll uh, say I was wrong. I said the Hawks would get up last week against... Uh, who were they first last week? Uh, the Dogs. There we go. Um, yeah, just didn't get the job done there, unfortunately. I'm like Hawthorne to let anyone down. So, yep, just me. 90% of the time, I have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. Wiz. Yeah, look, I uh, I really shit the bed with this call last week. Said Jack Rewalt, no goals. Uh, he kicked four. 90% of the time, I have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. So, uh, just a shout out to Chris Scott for ruining my call by being a scumbag. And he should have only had one. And then just when Marky Mark moved back to uh, D50 on, on Jack Rewalt, he kicked another three. So, yeah, anyway, I was wrong. Uh, I'm just going to drag you through the mud a little bit here as well, Wiz. Just, uh, I've, got a bit of a, I've got a bit of a cook last week and uh i said geelong and richmond will probably be a game of the round it'll probably be game of the round i go there there is opportunity that it will win i've got to be probably will be game of the round uh, there's nothing else uh, i'm a fucking geelong nuffy blah, blah, blah. and it definitely was not game of the round mate i reckon gws melbourne quite quite captured what afl is all about and just the high intensity of the sport so just like, you're probably a little bit wrong there, but uh, that's okay. Oh, there was a 15-minute patch of that game, which is high-quality footy has been all year, Paddy. I don't think uh, ninth and 10th slugging it out in a close match was uh, exactly rocking my jocks off. But no, <laughs> Cats, were, 
Cats were uh, shit house for three quarters, mate. And interesting when you try and move the ball quickly, things happen and you uh, start scoring. But you know, it didn't live up to hype. But that's okay, guys. It was. I still maintain that as of the last week when we recorded, that was not a call. Whether it was probably game of the round, it was game of the year at that stage. But that's okay. Didn't live up to hype. But I wasn't wrong. Uh, you were wrong. Wiz, I think you should take the feedback, mate. So oh, do okay. I. Well, you're lucky. You're all wrong. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I think you should take feedback. Remember what Rusey said about taking feedback on board, mate? Maybe you just need to listen back to that episode. Oh, okay. I'll listen back, but it won't, won't go on board. Like, you don't accept your ship bloke. It's all right. Oh! <laughs> the The switcheroo! Oh! He's coming at me, so I've got to send it right back. Gentlemen, this is Democracy Manifest. You can't handle the hate get out of the kitchen, son. <laughs> Listen, 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 listen. Fuck off, fuck off, fuck off, fuck off. Get out! Fez, what were you right or wrong about last week? Uh, well, I said uh, Josh Jenkins kicked three goals. If a whole lot of circumstances occurred, uh, Josh Jenkins didn't play. Should have. <laughs> well done, well done there, Scotty. If he did play, clearly match winner for Geelong. Clearly kicks three. So, in a hypothetical universe, Jenko's kicks three and... Uh, I'm sitting here saying get around me. But well, Scotty stuff both was up, Fez, because the late inclusion of Jarvis to replace our second marking forward of Rowan was a great call. It should have been Jenkins. You retard, Scotty. Retardation. Oh, I was neither wrong nor right because my call did not come to fruition, Paddy. That's bang on there, Fez. Frank? Uh, yeah, I was, I was wrong. I said that Dusty and Dangerfield would both have 25 and a goal. Neither of them had 25 and neither of them kicked a goal. So, uh, <laughs> Dusty yeah. had a few Yeah, Dusty, Dusty kicked three points and had 19. So that's still... Uh, 90% of the time, I have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. Hey, Frank, Off the mark. I reckon you can blame Chris Scott as well because Danger had eight at quarter time but then had to go forward because we didn't replace Rowan with another marking player. So Dangerfield had to play out of the goal square for a quarter to occupy Grimes, who was... Reaming the Hawkins and Bolter matchup, we didn't actually get to see that matchup because Vlosten and Grimes were able to do whatever they wanted. So Chris Scott ruined three calls. Yeah, and then I've just got a you got absolute imbecile, mate. How is he coaching an AFL club? Yeah, he crumbles against every good side. I don't get it. If every finals, how can you shit the bed every finals a big game and still have a job? Basket case. You go, Frank. Um, yeah, I'll just a quick get around me. I think we sort of mentioned a little bit earlier, start of the year, it was all, you know, Adelaide won't win a game. Fez was definitely on that train. Sack Matty Nix, I said all along, they'll win a game. I said all along, I was real nervous about when they came up against us and that we would lose. And I said it all year and, well, guess what? I was right. So uh, just a quick get around me there. Um, long, long-term, season-long get around me. Get around it! And then again. Just, just the unders up in Cairns, boys. Just uh, get around it. Yeah. Also, Frank, just I, I, I wasn't sure if you just been a bit uh, blindsided here by your own comments, but I, I wasn't. I'm pretty sure there was something maybe four or five weeks ago that you said, "Oh, uh, if they hadn't won a game by the time that they versed Carlton, they'll probably get over us." And then about two weeks ago, when they won their first game, you said, "I'm not real nervous now, seeing that they've beaten." Oh, uh, I wasn't as nervous, but um, I still wasn't. And confident, man. That's fair. Uh, no, it was more. I just didn't feel as bad losing to them. Yeah, I guess we weren't going to be the first one. All of a sudden, it's still pretty shit. So that's uh, that's fair enough. Our guest this week is the St Kilda big man who was a pivotal part to St Kilda's winning record in the nineties. 
playing 80 games, palming down to players such as Robert Harvey, Nathan Burke, and Nicky Winmar. This man truly captured the essence of football in the 90s. Our guest this week, Lazar Vidovic. Welcome, Lazar. Uh, hello, boys. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for joining us, Lazar. Um, obviously, you played a game in uh, 1989 and then missed the 90 season with injury. So, 91 was your first full season of AFL footy. And that season, uh, St Kilda and Geelong were sort of seen as the red-hot sides going into the finals. And they met in the famous elimination final with, with Lockett and Brownless. It must have been a great initiation into AFL footy. Yeah, it was. Um, I played in 89 under Daryl Baldock, first game. Um, then did my knee, so I missed all of 1990. Um, and um, came back, played the last half of this, the year at, um, in 91. And I think St Kilda was the first time we played in the finals for 25 years. So there was like 10,000 people turned up at Sandringham Oval. That's where we tra- trained that week. So it was pretty uh, awesome, you know. Like guys like Trevor Barker that were around the club never played in a premiership, uh, in finals footy ever. And here I am in my sort of 10th game playing, you know, in front of 79,000 at uh, Waverley. It was pretty, pretty awesome. Certainly a great start to your career, mate. Um, I'm just going to jump to the very back end now. I've read you're still a uh, passionate Saints man. And we were talking last week with Drew Petrie about past players and how they view the club and how they share their thoughts about it. Uh, How do you go watching the Saints these days? Are you ever tempted to ring up the coach and give him a few tips? Uh, No, I'll leave it up to these boys. The the coaching, as you know, these days, we're probably dinosaurs in the way we did things back in our day. So I've probably got no idea how they do things. Just a different game altogether, you know. Um, but uh, I have sm- spoken to Brett Ratton and he's a ripper bloke. So he's, it's really good that he's around the club. I still follow the Saints. I watch him every week. I go to a few past plays functions and we catch up with a few of the, the officials and old trainers that were there when we were there. So, uh, yeah, we, we probably haven't got much of an input. I do speak to Tony Brown, who's a runner. He's a, he's a ripper bloke. He's a runner for Ratton. Um, ex-Saint, one of the Mosquito fleet when, uh, under Ozzie Jones and Joel Smith. So really good bloke, uh, Tony. So yeah, I'll still take a bit of interest. Uh, it's great to hear the passion's still there. Um, Paddy mentioned a couple of the players that were under your feet um, in, when you're in the ruck, but it must have been great throughout your career playing with the, like Saints royalty and in Stewie Lowe, Tony Lockett, Robert Harvey, to name a few. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's... Coming from uh, from Broadmeadows via North Melbourne, you know, and then I ended up in the in the bush at Castlemaine where the Saints recruited me. All of a sudden, I'm on the big stage with Lockett, Lowy, Harvey, Burke. It was a, it was a who's who of um, the uh, you know sort of players there. They're all A grade top players, so it was pretty um, sort of daunting at the beginning, thinking, "Shit, do I belong here with all these superstars?" You know, so I had to really, really try and make a, 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 a sort of make myself um, what's the word. Uh, stand on my own two feet and try and become, you know, a, a cog in that massive uh, machine of theirs, you know, to try and get that ball out the centre, which Plugger used to uh, really like. He reckons uh, myself, like Dean Gregg, he started around the same time and we'd get it out that centre straight down the plug. He used to love it because, you know, we, yeah, as you know, there's one-dimensional full forwards back then. Um, you know, now you've got all these different rotations where I wouldn't know what's going on, but yeah, it was pretty daunting at, uh, at the beginning. Would have, been, would have been absolutely surreal. Uh, I just want to touch on another player, uh, pretty high-profile St Kilda and football man in general, Danny Frawley. Uh, what was he like with the leadership of the club and just kind of uh, letting you in and all that type of stuff? Yeah, no, real, real uh, staunch bloke, you know, uh, country boy. You know, he, he didn't like egos around the club. Anyone with a bit of an ego, he'd soon, you know, tap it and smack it right out of you, you know. So very, very staunch, uh, strong clubman. Now, sad about what happened with him, you know, with via the 
the concussions and that, but just a, a real uh, true leader, you know, never flinched a contest. I'd be you know, watching back into packs where Ablett would come out with his knees and take him out and he never never shirked an issue once, but just a real, you know, you couldn't fault the man on the footy for a, tr- a true general, you know, fighter. Seems like a common theme when people talk about Spud. Uh, yep. While you were playing, you were probably in the pivotal part of the expansion of the game with the AFL. Uh, just want to touch on, there was a game against Fremantle, their first ever game in the comp. Just want to touch on the contest that day and what it led to. Oh, yeah, a bit of a, uh, yeah, it's probably, looking back at it now, it's probably a bit of a silly thing, but just a bit of fire in the belly there, you know. Like, it was Fremantle's first game in the competition, I thought, all right, we're, we're from the AFL, you know, we're supposed to be, you know, didn't think that they'd be up to our standard. Look, remember Spider Burton all of a sudden, taking a few marks around me. I'm going, shit, you know, he's about six foot ten. I'm going, where this bloke come from? And uh, Rod Keogh used to stir me up a lot before a game, which I realised more at the end of my career. Like, he'd, he'd slap me, like, we'd do warm-ups and he'd just give me a quick jab to the ribs or give me a slap to the face and I'd snap out of it and wanted to kill him, you know. So he knew how to flick my switch. And he, he actually ran up, uh, ran, came up to me and Craig O'Brien had a cut eye. His blood was streaming down his face. And he goes, Lays. he goes, Obi's been king hit. I said, fuck, who was it? I've seen this Edwards that was on him, number one. I don't know who the bloke is now. His name was, I think his second name was Edwards. He goes, he's been king hit. So I thought, oh, they've come out to play, you know. And Burton's taken another mark in front of me. So I've been being frustrated now. I'm probably 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, bit short for a ruckman. So I've just given a bit of a whack over the back of the head. Next minute, all these players are running out from everywhere. And I'm going, shit, I can just see players running from every angle. So I just threw a, a lucky ride, I call it. And Brendan, Brendan Crumwell happened to run straight into it, you know. <laughs> I've never thrown a right hook ever in my life, but he just ran sweet into it. I think it was eight stitches. But um, I found out later that uh, Jack Daniels, um, Craig O'Brien actually cut his eye on the back of Jack Daniels' boot, where Rod Keogh told me he'd been king hit. So that's when I started, you know, I fired up. So it was just Rod Keogh firing me up and it ended up, bloody, I think, eight-week suspension. And um, pretty embarrassing. It keeps coming up on YouTube and people always talk about it, you know. But they don't see the times that I was put into hospital myself, you know. There was a couple of big times there where I got cleaned up by, so Bernard Tui was one of them. Put the knee into me back and broke three ribs and punctured me lung. I ended up in hospital for three days. That was in early 91 before the Geelong final. So that's, you know, people don't see those things, you know. <laughs> yeah, what goes around comes around. And, uh, exactly, yeah. Good, yeah. good stitch up by Rod Kerr there by the sounds of it. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, as Tony Shaw said to me once, when I give him a bit of a clip, he used to bark a bit. He go, and I seen him outside of footy once and I actually apologised. And he said, what happens on the footy field stays on the footy field. And I take me out off to Tony Shaw, you know. So... That's why I put it, you know. Oh, it's good philosophy for Tony, but I'm sure he would have been a bit braver on the field when he had Monkhurst and that, when he ran into you <laughs> yeah, in person. Yeah. He was a bit small for you. He used to run around huffing and puffing and calling us all names, you know, going on about your, uh, your, your European heritage and having to go up the Bruges about their colour and all that sort of thing. But things on the footy field, there was no um, racism or whatever you call it. There was no holds barred on the footy field. There was no rules. So, you know, that's how it was. Um, as Mitch said, we'll jump around a little bit. Um, in the 1997 season, uh, you, you come into the side later in the year and then it must have been a real disappointment to get injured in that last round before the famous final series and when the Saints made the grand final. Mate, that was a bloody killer, yeah. I, um, Norm Goss had become chairman of selectors that year. And uh, I know Norm, he's actually, his brothers were on the waterfront helped get me, get me on the job on the waterfront. But um, Norm became chairman of selectors and... That pre-season, I'd been, to, I'd been to Hawaii with Winmar and uh, we'd got on the Budweiser and I came back about 10 kilos heavy in that seven days. And uh, Norm said to me, are you lazy? You know, he goes, I don't care about your reputation. He goes, you know, 
if you if you whatever you've done in the past, you've come in the back in the condition like this. If you don't perform, you're not going to be getting a game. I said, well, if I'm in the twos, mate, I won't be jumping in front of the bus for you. And he goes, oh, you got to try. So next bit, I'm in the reserves for that whole year. And they put in this guy called Brett Cook, ex Fitzroy, uh, athletic type, good bloke, Cookie, very athletic, probably today's type of footballer, like almost a Cuda Fafidi's build about him. Well, they were getting beaten towards the end of it to that year, and then all of a sudden. Um, threw me into the team and I'd stormed off the foot the ground at training. I cracked the shits on them. They, they got flogged, I think, was the last game the week before I got in. And uh, they said, everyone on the training track, and I had a bit of a sore back, and they, they were going to flog us. And I thought, oh, I haven't been playing scenes. I'm not going to get flogged with the rest of them. I haven't been the one letting the team down, you know. So I stormed off the track. They were going to sack me. Andrew Clinton had a meeting with Gary Colling and all that. And they actually saved the day and, and, and didn't sack me. And I just said, look, can you just... You know, I've been rucking for the last seven, eight years on my own. Can you just either put that young spider Everett in the ruck, put me on the bench, give me a spell, you know, rotate lowy, just do a rotation there. And well, then they started doing that rotation, and where I could get a spell, I was coming on the ground a lot fresher. And then I probably had my best five, six, eight games that they said of my career. So we get into the finals, and um, then I did me knee, my last or that last home and away round against Port Adelaide. I was rucking against Primus and uh, Primus and uh, Brendan Laid, who's now at St Kilda. And uh, third quarter, I've come down on my knee and it's jarred. I'm going, shit, that didn't feel right. That was the last bounce of the third quarter. Kennedy Whiffin, our trainer, tapes it up. Uh, first bounce of the last quarter, I go up, bang, the knee just crumbled. Like, it was like I got hit by a bloody a car. You know, body went to shock, couldn't get up, and I got carried off in my last game and missed the grand final. And, um, yeah, it took me about 10 years to get over it, to be honest. But that's, that's, that's life. It's football, isn't it? Yep, it sure is. I've got a bit of a two-part question. Sorry to bring up 97 again. Firstly, so what, what was it like all with the Saints not winning a premiership in so long? Was there an external and an internal pressure um, that you needed to win one or you needed to get the monkey off the back? Yeah. And also, sorry, after that, did that injury ultimately force your retirement or was that kind of pre-planned? Yeah, that probably f- finished me off. I was 32 back at that stage. Um, probably today's footy, you could, like um, Mumford, you could probably play the 39, 40 if they managed you right, but we'd have to do a lot of training on the field. Um, but yeah, that was uh, yeah, that was the last, um, uh, well, that was the end of me after that knee went. That was a full total reconstruction again. I had three of them, that was a third one. So my body wasn't in shape to go another year. Um, yeah, all the hype up, that build up, it was like it was razzmatazz. You know, it was like uh, St Kilda being staffed since 66. People coming out. The Woolwork, I think I'm a rabbit had about 20,000 people in the ground. I'm on crutches watching all the people. Just It was just, um, you know, the aura of St Kilda in the grand final. You know, we went the grand final parade and all that. And the players were all pumped up. But then we had a bit of bad luck that night. Um, Nicky Winmar's father passed away with a heart attack that night. Uh, Stewie Lowe's uh, loved one, one of his sisters or something, passed away with an accident of some type. Uh, it was like everything that could happen happened, you know. And then me being out the team, I'm saying I would have made um, a difference, but it stuffed up the whole um, uh, combination where we had Brett Cook one out against Sean Wren and um, Pittman, particularly with a pathetic effort from Pittman in ruck. I mean, where you know it would have been good if we had two proper ruckmen, you know. And um, they just got us in that last quarter with Jarman when they um, put Jarman full back on the Shanahan. It was a bit of a coaching error, I'd say. Shouldn't say that because Stan was a ripper coach, got us into the final first time. Um, they put Jarman on Shanahan, who's a bit more of a big tall, and, and Jarman's just running rings around him. Well, they probably should have put Stephen Zilla in hindsight, it's easier now. And he kicked the five goals and they won in the game where we should, probably should have won that game. 
Yeah, Jarman definitely had a great grand final. He followed it up again the next year. He was a, he was a great yeah. player. Um, yeah. that, we're just going to ask you about Stan Elves, um, and you led us in nicely there. Obviously, led the Saints to their first grand final in a long time in 97, and then followed up in the final series in 98, and then, and then got sacked. Um, I know you weren't at the club in 98, but that must have been an um, amazing decision by the club at that stage. It was. It was, um, and not having a go at the president, Andrew Plimpton, but um, Stan was doing it his own way. He had his own um, his own style, you know. He'd been under Barassi and under, uh, I think, Norm at Melbourne, Norm, was it Norm Smith or yeah, one of the, the old the old legends down there. So he had his had the right credentials, and and the club was very, um, how do you say, it? Um, the hierarchy used to sort of run the run the reins up there, like to pull the strings a bit more. And Stan was trying to do it his own way, you know, and. Um, I think he ruffled a few feathers higher up in the hierarchy. And um, the Essendon guy come along. They heard him on SEN, um, uh, the legend of Essendon. What's his Tim name? Watson. Timmy Watson. Uh, Plimpton heard Watson on SEN go, mate, what a, what a great tactical um, talker. He, could, you know, he just seemed like he knew everything. So they sacked Stan with a year to go on his contract, paid him out his half a mil. Um, then um, Timmy come in, but he was under, understaffed. Like he was one in the box. I think Clarkson was his assistant. There was two in the box. And just he didn't know it was probably different watching it and calling it on the radio than being in the coach's box under pressure. So Timmy hadn't done an apprenticeship at such, you know, in the coaching boxes, working his way through under 19s reserves like a lot of coaches do, you know. So I think it was a pretty uh, brazen maneuver by St Kilda to do that. And in the end, that to pay Timmy Watson out his contract as well because he just said, Look, I'll go back to Channel 7, you know, doing my commentary and whatever. And, and he, and, and nicely handed back his half a mil. I think it was on 500 a year. And he said the club just keep that last year's payment, which was nice to Timmy, you know? There's certainly um, a, bit of yeah. a bit of a whirlwind there with Watson yep. and Blight before they sort of oh. steadied down with Grant Thomas. Yep, yep. And Blight come in as well. Same thing. He wanted to change the culture. And basically he said to them, well, I wanted, you want to change St Kilda's culture? I want to trade Burke, Winmar, Harvey, uh, Lowy. And they said, mate, they're our favourite sons. So it's, it sort of got a bit personal, you know? He, he was trying to wipe out that old culture, but... Your favourite sons, you know, you look at guys like Gary Ablett, you've got to keep them. They drag, they drag people in the gates. They, they bring money to the club. So Blight ended up a year and he was out there as well. Yeah, and do, some, you reckon, yeah. do you reckon if they didn't get rid of Stan in 98, they, that group that you obviously knew so well could have gone close again? With um... they, they could have because, um, you know, uh, Lowy was still, you know, doing, doing pretty well and... Uh, Spider was, you know, becoming. He was an All Australian ruckman a year or two later. He was at hitting his straps. Barry Hall was going well. You know, we had the right nucleus. All you know, you had Aussie Jones and Brown and, and Joel Smith. They're all peaking. You know, um, Winmar was still there, but then all of a sudden they they traded off uh, Barry Hall. Uh, Plugger went to you know, or well, we went a few years earlier, and um, and um, there was also a couple of others uh, left. Winmar they traded to Footscray. So all of a sudden that they had to start rebuilding again. But he probably could have. I reckon got it again in ninety in ninety eight. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, that, that's interesting. Probably set the set yep. the club back a little bit then. Um, yep. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned Nicky Winmar. Obviously, you missed the uh, the famous game where he pointed to his skin with a quad injury. Um, yep. Where did you watch the game, and what was the mood around the club during and after that? Well, yeah. Look, like I said back in the day, right? Like they call it racism now, but sledging we called it. You know, it was like cricket. They used to sledge the hell out of you. And same on the grounds. I used to get caught everything under the sun. And every time we played at Victoria Park, it was like we just dread going there because it was just it's like other teams hated coming to Moorabbin. And you know, the supporters they'd spit at you up the race. They'd call you everything under the sun. The players would attack you. And it was like, oh, I thought we don't want to be here, you know. And Winmar 
just copying that the, the racist. Um, you know, I'd seen cop it for for the ten years I was there. I'd seen cop it every week. He just got sick of it, and he said, pulled his jumper up, and just pointed. He goes, "Here you go. You know, this is what this is my religion. This is my colour. This is who I am." And that's you know sort of become folklore, didn't it? And uh, you know, and I did see Nikki. You know, that podcast with Sammy Newman, that where they sort of went on about why he pointed to himself, and I could vouch. For for that, that, that he was called everything, you know, I won't say it on the podcast or on air, but he, you know, just about his race and who he was, he, he had to tackle that very hard, you know, similar with Jimmy Crack and Phil when I played a little bit north with them, they, they, those Indigenous players, they were sort of on their own and, you know, had nobody to really back them up. Yeah, it's was, good the was, AFL's cleaned it up, yeah. Yeah, was there any talk around the club after that moment or did, amongst the players? Not really, no, just... Uh, I'd actually missed that game, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> just I had an injury of some kind, I think. Um, but um, not really. They didn't really. We didn't really talk about it off the field. You, you know, we well, it sort of become a it sort of grew legs off the field and whatever. You know, and that's where probably racism, the racism sort of um, turned the corner where the AFL stepped in. I think Michael Long copped it at once at Essendon, and they just had enough. They said, "No, nah, this has got to stop." You know, and it's and it's probably you know, and it's probably been a good thing. Yeah. Uh, definitely, and I think all the uh, the current day Indigenous players would be thankful for the Trailblazers in Winmar and, and Longley who stamped it out back in the in the early to mid nineties. Um, yeah. Another one of your famous teammates throughout that period, probably more famous off field than on field, was uh, Ricky Nixon and and his rise, <laughs> his rise um, to to a, the biggest player manager and sort of revolutionising player management. Um, yep, and obviously he's fall in the last sort of ten years. I know you're reasonable mates with Ricky. What was um, your relationship with him like through that period and it must have been great when he was at his best and then pretty devastating yeah. uh, to see the fall of him. He's pretty uh, innovative in the way he was thinking. I remember when I, was, I first got there and it was 89 and Gary Colling was there and he, I heard him I got to the training early. He goes, Gary, I'm going to be a player manager. And I thought to myself, oh, yeah, pull the other one. You know, I thought, what's he, ta- what's he on about, right? And uh, he got into business with a runner, Michelle Bogmaster, a, a sprinter or something for Australia. And um, he, he opened up Flying Start with her. And she met some um, a Texas oil tycoon and, and, mar- and, and flew over to, make, um, to Texas and married him and, he got, and said to Ricky, you keep Flying Start and you can go on with it. Well, he turned it into, he ended up having 10 players in every club, t- was making three, four million a year, you know, and it ripped a mate of mine, Ricky, will do anything for you, anything off his bat, you know. But I think the media just did the hard, did, it was hard done by the media, you know, like the girl, was doing what she was doing and whatever, but you know she was still legal age. People carry on like it was, you know. They mentioned like you know the the age of her, you know, but she was a legal, uh, you know, at legal age, and that and the media just wouldn't let go of it. Um, and he went from you know the, the biggest player manager and um, all the people that are now other player managers probably started under him, you know. So it was a pretty hard fall for him, you know, with the media uh, attention on him and. Um, yeah, he, he's pulled through it. He's really doing well for himself. He's in the medical um, game now, um, doing you know, health checks and that, and um, well-being checks. And he's um, he, he's a fighter. He'll, he never gives up. But he rip a bloke, Ricky. Yeah, they really kicked him when he was in the mud. It seemed. Um, back on to the current state of the game. What's your uh, position on uh, the art of ruck, ruck work and sides opting for now not always going for the specialist ruckman? Um, you look at sides. The most recent case, like Sean Griggin. Um, Richmond 2017 success. How do you feel when you see clubs do that and kind of does it disrespect you compared to probably the only modern day ruckman that follows how you guys played in Max Gordon, how you typically play behind the ball when you were yeah. in the contest? 
Yeah, look, any any club, and you look at any um, premiership team, you, you need two specialist ruckmen going into it. And you look at, um, like, Richmond, was it last year, with um, big... Uh, who are the two big ruckmen they got there again? Um, Soldo and Nankervis. Soldo and Nankervis, they teamed beautifully, you know. Uh, going back, Ren and Pittman, you always need two big ruckmen going in. And Grig, you know, he sort of did okay in that sort of half a final, but they got found wanting because uh, as big men don't get any shorter in the last quarter, they get their palm to the ball. You know, you, you've got to go in with a couple of specialist ruckmen, especially into the finals, um, you know. And uh, I just think, uh, as you know, in the last quarter when the chips are down and you look at any grand final, you see the ruckman still getting his hand to the ball and, um, you know, creating that, uh, setups for the for the little men to, to to bring it forward, but yeah, you know, you really look at every club. You look at Nat and Newey, He's a he's a star. But you watch him in the centre bounce. So I really take note of the ruckman. I love the way he changes his angles, moves around, and they hit the ground running. You know, the the, the ruckman today we were more dinosaurs. You know, like Sean, uh, like I said, Sean Wren and um, you know myself and a few of them, like you know, Paul Salmons and that and probably you know the, the ruckman today they're, they're more like an, an on ball type. You know, Grundy and players like that. So they've become bit more athletic and probably in the way they train, you know, you know, so you guys probably know that through the Jets and that yourself. Uh, you obviously played against some pretty handy opposition, Steins, Wind, Madden, all those sorts. You touched on Pittman before. Who was the hardest Ruckman or the best Ruckman you reckon you played against? Scotty Wind was probably up there the best. He's like a man mountain. You just could, didn't matter if you put your knee into him, whatever he did, he'd still get his hand to it. Um, he used to sit back in the hole in, in front of Plugger Locket where other ruckmen would just see their knees shake, something, knowing that Plugger's coming from behind them. Sean Wren, never, uh, uh, Scotty Wine never flinched an eyelid, mate, and I'd take my hat off to him. He wasn't a dirty player. probably the most cleanest players, and he deserved the brown low. And, you know, he had good aggression at the ball, never hit anyone, but I'd say he'd probably be in the top one or two up there. Yeah, Madden was very hard because he was 6'10". Salmon was the same. Steins was uh, probably more of an innovative uh, Ruckman, I remember when we played them, me not having that pace. But I think Stan Elves once set Robert Harvey with him to run around at Waverley because Steins would just take off on me, hit the boundary line, they'd look for him. Steins was ahead of his time, you know, being that six foot five, basically Cripps type of a Ruckman, you know, Paddy Cripps and guys like that now. They're six five, they could be Ruckman in our day. You're certainly a uh, transitional period for Ruckman in that time period. Um, you've mentioned a few coaches now, obviously Baldock, uh, Sheldon and Alves you played under. I've heard Stan speak and he's a very passionate man. Did he, uh, did he, did he or any of the others uh, ever let their passion overflow towards you or any of your teammates in a bit of a spray sort of setup? <laughs> oh yeah. Look, Stan was pretty brutal. Like I was a type of player where I needed to be sort of yelled at and attacked. And, you know, I remember there was one time Kenny Sheldon uh, was against Scotty Wind out at the uh, Western Oval. Up to half time, I was getting towelled up by him, and Sheldon's walked up to me and said, Lazy, you fucking dog. Oh, gosh, I've sworn out, you bloody dog. And he's pushed me into the lockers and slammed me into the lockers. And, and, and he knew that I needed to be one of those players that had to be sort of physically attacked to get something out of me. And um, I'd fire up, I'd, I'd want to play in spite of the coach and go, I'm going to show you. And I'd, 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 I'd take that aggression out, and it'd stir me up, and I'd want to kill when I got on the ground, you know. Um, so that was one day, and I remember after that game, Tony Lockett, because they were a bit scared of him at the coaching staff, said, Lazy goes, if, if Kenny had done that to me, I would have killed him. But <laughs> me, me respecting the coach, you know, I know he's a coach, so I've got to cop what he cops. There was another time, I think Stan, Stan was the opposite. He, he had a go at, um, oh, it was a number one draft pick. I'm trying to remember his name. Went to Yarraville. Um, Michael Frost, they got him from Footscray. He was a ripper. 
type of play. But unfortunately, he had Harvey and Burke in that position. They've recruited him. And Stan Elves just attacked him and, 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 and berated him. And he was one of those confidence players that couldn't handle it. And David Grant was another one. And they actually played worse under Stan. So, yeah, you've got to be careful back who, you, who you're yelling and screaming at. It's good that that's been cleaned up now. With the, you hear the coaches talk to all the players. It's funny hearing because we, we were all we yelled at like Barassian that we were, you know, berated and we were like basically hung up in front of the rest of the team. And, you know, if we squibbed it, they'd say, you, you dogged it. You, you, you know, you just you sleep with the lights on at home when you, when you, go, when you go to bed at night, you know. <laughs> and, um, but today's footy, you know, talk to them nicely. It's like, oh, I just can't, I just, you know, I've come from a different era. It's, it's nice to, to, to actually look at it and hear it. Yeah, there's no doubt it's, uh, it's cleaned up. It sounds like you've got a few of those uh, suspensions that you can blame on the coaches uh, all rolling you up. <laughs> yeah, oh, mate, I reckon there's about probably half a dozen of them there with, with the coaches. They say, look, we need you to go out and fire up today. And, you know, I remember me and Dean Greg Stan Ellis, I don't know whether him and Crackers Keenan, who was my ruck coach, or another one was Jeff Saru. They used to eat raw meat for breakfast, those blokes, you know. But um, Crackers but is certainly yeah, a rare one. He'd wind me and Greggy up going, because he was mates of Monkhurst, and he'd t- say to me and Greggy, the Collingwood boys, they're scared of you. Well, we don't know whether it was true or not. Maybe they were saying the same thing to them, that we were scared of them, you know, because he was mates of Monkhurst. And um, you know, Stan goes, can you go out there and just, you know, they're, they're, they're scared of you. You've got to do something for us. So next minute, Greggy smacks... Um, their captain, um, I can't remember now who it was, and I, I got two weeks of hitting Graham right, and then he pulls up after the game and said, you let the club down, you let the team down. <laughs> I was down. You just wanted to go out there and bloody smash the smash Collingwood, you know, and blah, blah, blah. You know, so, yeah, be careful what you ask for. I'm sure our, uh, our listeners have been very entertained, Lazar. It's uh, great going back down memory lane. Um, what does 2020 hold in store for yourself, and what can we look forward to seeing from you in the future? Oh, dear. Look, I'm just, um, I get to a past, few past players functions. You know, with this corona thing, it's just driving us all ready, you know. But um, I've got my young junior, junior Lars Vitovic. He's signed at Hoppers. So he did a bit of pre-season at uh, Werribee under Choco Williams. So he's keen. He's training. He's six six. Just needs to build his engine up. So he probably keeps me um, excited that he may or may not make it. But it gives, gives me hope that hopefully one day he might be able to do something, you know. But that's probably... Um, next 2021 will probably will tell. Yeah, well, we know Lars through the Jets, so we look forward yep. to seeing his progression. And um, yeah, we do thank you for your time, mate, and thoroughly enjoy the catch up. No worries, fellas. Thanks for uh, the invite. Uh, good on you, mate. Thanks, thanks, thanks you very time. much. Okay, we're going to our sprays. And I've got a, just a couple of drive-bys, as we like to call them, a couple of drive-bys. I think I'll uh, retaliate a little bit to one that I think Wiz might have later. But firstly, Frank, once again, the Carlton Footy Club. So, Obviously, Bryce Gibbs uh, had a very decorated career, 280-odd games, 260-odd games, whatever it was, uh, come to an end, and it was good. They came against his other club, had a good game, 27 possessions, blah, 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 got the job done. But I think Carlton, showing how soft they are, and just a bloke that wanted to leave their club, try to snake their club, it's, and then two blokes that didn't play, that played for the Carlton Footy Club have gone, I will carry him off. He's a club hero. He just dogged our club two years ago. Or three years ago, whenever he left. So just, uh, I think there's a bit of a, a reality check on Carlton. Just uh, have a have a dip, mate, and just have a look at your club. Mates party, though, any wedding party? I couldn't give a shit, mate. This is football. Just, just you don't shake human side of football, Paddy. Uh, I'm not about it. I, there's little things I uh, agree with with, with no with Kane Corns. <laughs> I can't like so. Let's say let's say the instance 
It was Adelaide and Kurt, well, Kurt Tipper played what two years at Sydney and then got his kind of been injured injury riddled. So what? Let's say there's two blokes from Adelaide and he's dogged the club. You would like to see Adelaide take him off? I just I'm not a fan of that. I don't agree with Kane Corns a lot, but I do agree with him on that. Yeah, but, but I also I don't think Bryce Gibbs dogged the club as such. He left on pretty good terms. But anyway, I'm happy with that spray, Paddy. Mm, your, your your opinion, Matt. That's secondly, as I said, I don't agree with Kane Corns on many things. Here's one thing I don't agree with. So he's come out and attacked not just Jake Stringer, but everyone that is sporting not an ideal athletic rig. He said Jake Stringer doesn't look too great uh, on the facade kind of end of things. And earlier in the year, we said it doesn't really matter if you're playing good footy. He's come back. He hasn't played the best. But I just think Kane Courts, we're not all marathon runners, ripped six packs, all this blah, blah, blah. So I just, just think about who you're trying to hurt there. And if it was for, you had to be at uh, elite level of uh, how your body's looking. We wouldn't experience sportsmen such as Rakeem Cornwall, Mark Cosgrove, Stewie Jew, one of our game's own, uh, John Daly, uh, Femme Vournier uh, had venture for Deer Park, Hideki Matsuyama on the PGA Tour, and umpire Ray Rasmus uh, in the ICC standings. So I just think, uh, Kane Corns, give yourself an uppercut, mate. It's a diverse a world full of diversity, and that's what we've come to these days. And also, Plunder Lockett wasn't nobody... Like looked like an athlete himself, so shut the fuck up, Kane. That's all you are worth. Anyone else spraying? Yeah, yeah I, well, right, you go, Frank. Because mine's directly in relation to what Paddy's just said. But uh, first of all, my spray was going to be for Jake Stringer and also Jacob Townsend because in the last five minutes of the Port Adelaide game, when Essendon are down by 10 goals, they decide to start throwing cheapies behind the ball, get into a wrestle. Jake Stringer's sloppy rig comes out. I reckon Wiz has a better rig than Jakey Stringer at the moment. So <laughs> those two in particular, the Essendon Football Club, can't you're down by ten goals. How about you have a dip when the game and the season's actually on the line, rather than start throwing cheapies when you're ten goals down in the second last game of the year? Uh, so that's that's my one. And Jake Stringer also, Paddy. All those most of the blokes you said perform at a good level, but you open yourself up to criticism when you don't present in good nick and don't look like you've put the work in so he deserves everything that comes his way because he's been shit house ever since he left the dogs and they won the flag yep. um and then i'll also How much is really he'd be uh, on he'd be on 750 a year and right. how many players are there in the afl 600 uh, yeah. okay so the other 599 can get their rig in good state and get themselves fit and get themselves looking like they can actually play elite level sport but jake can't You've joined the uh, fat shaming police, have you, Paddy? He's uh he's too busy on the tattoo table, mate, getting lines on his guts. He's no time to work on the rig. I was just uh, I'm not I'm absolute I'm just... disgrace he is, mate. Absolute how do you steal seven hundred how do you get seven hundred and fifty grand and show up fat to play elite sport? I, I, I'm not. I'm not defending Greg Stringer. I'm defending fat people as a whole. And <laughs> as, I'm, not, I'm, I'm all. I'm all. I'm all for fat shaming. I've done plenty of it in my life. Trust me. But uh, just Eddie, if, you can be as fat as you want if you're not an elite sportsman. Yeah, but yeah. Well, what do you call elite? Like WFL uh, reserves footy is that elite? Like we like it's no getting paid seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars <laughs> to play AFL is elite, mate. I just think it's a very topsy-turvy thing. Like, you look at early in the year, had a bit of a uh, toxic rink, you'd like to call it. And he was playing good footy. I think it's just people have, have um, ebbs and he, he has been recruited there, Paddy, to take them from mediocre to good. 
and to play as a dynamic forward like Dugowie or and have spurts in their midfield, he can't couldn't run out of sight in the fog with a can up his ass at the moment. He is sloppy. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not saying that. And it, Paddy, it's it's not it's not the rig itself. It's what the rig reflects. The rig reflects that he is not putting in the work at training. The rig reflects that he is not looking after his nutrition. The rig reflects that his fitness isn't up to standard. So that is what is the real issue. The bloke is getting paid a ridiculous amount of money and he's not doing his job. I'm just, uh, I'm just... Are, are you finished, Frank? Because uh, No, I'm going on to John Worsfold now. Okay. Yes, he's Frank. He has just fully lost the plot and he needs to just join the pensioner brigade with Mick Moltas and just leave the game. Because he has just completely lost the plot with what he, and if I was an Essendon supporter, as a Carlton supporter, I absolutely love what Essendon have been dishing up. But as an Essendon supporter, I would be absolutely filthy that he's preaching patience, saying, oh, big club supporters can't expect us to just come to, you know, come good overnight. John, you, you've been there for five years, I think. Haven't won a final. Before you, they hadn't won final for 11 years. That's 16 years all up and you're preaching patience to the supporters. I you're preaching to the choir. I think they have every right to be disappointed and pissed off at a club that's gone well and truly backwards from last year. They were even with Port Adelaide sort of in ladder position last year. Porter on top of the ladder, you've gone backwards, you're not competing for finals and nobody knows what's going on in that club because it's just a complete shambles. So you need to just yeah, just ship off, uh, join Mick, and but make sure you don't get in the media like Mick because now Mick just makes himself look like a But uh, yeah, John Westholt, ship off, mate. Just on... On him preaching, uh, who are things with that? One, he said Essendon people. Surely he, after being coach of the club for five years, is now an Essendon person. So that's one thing I would take umbrage to. And second of all, not quite there yet, Smith. They, they clearly think they're in the window. Otherwise, they wouldn't have topped up with those players. So you've got to, you can't say, oh, we need patience and then go out and recruit and not use your first round draft picks for years. So absolute ridiculous messaging, Frank. Well said. Uh, well, are you, are you, Hang on, I yeah. do have a couple. Any, um, I do have a couple more. But any uh, Essendon functions do you reckon we should be heading to when he uh, when his contract finishes up this year? Not many, I don't think. Yeah, Zero. Really? And if he does, well, he's not making them out a lot. It's a highly it's a highly uh, anticipated topic. The old uh, Essendon, the Essendon functions uh, right. for their history. But uh, Frank, go on. Yep, yeah, I've got a. I've just got a quick spray for. Game day report. Brent Daniels getting suspended for winning the ball against Christian Petrarca. Umpires just need to put those away because I reckon every single one gets thrown out and then the game gets reviewed anyway. So why do they even bother? Because they just make themselves look like idiots. So that's one for your mates to pull their heads in. Um, and then I've also got, I want to put a question to you three. What do Dave Mundy, Will Schofield and Dean Margetts have in common? They all love a Western Australian side. Dima, I guess, Dave Mundy and Dima, I guess. Uh, no, I don't know. Closer to the grade than 90% of people? Something they, to do with uh, the percentage of wins. No, it's, they're all trying to hold on for dear life to their hair. And they don't know when... <laughs> I nothing wrong with that. Jordan Very. So this is a topical... <laughs> this is topical for two people in particular in this uh, podcast. And I'm sure I'm going to, in a, maybe five years' time, I might find myself in that position. I'm looking at yours, Fez. You're struggling. Wiz, you're lucky you're wearing a hat. Wiz so, has worn a hat every episode, 
<laughs> but Dave Mundy, I he when they Freo played in the wet the other week, he he's lucky it's like all long because it is gone. There is nothing there. And it's just being covered up nicely. Will Schofield, that's just gone. He's trying to hold on. Dean Marquette, I was watching him last night. And it is just these wispy bits just flowing around about boys. Just when you're done, you're done. Know your time. Just get rid of it or do something about it. Like old Josh Walker who's just had a resurrection. He's just... Reached your turning point. The doctors at Ashley and Martin could help regrow your hair. Man. They're plugs, yeah, mate. They are plugs. But you know, I don't mind. At least he's doing yeah, it. to Benny Goodman. Just... <laughs> but, boys, when it's time, it's time, and you've got to accept that it's gone. Benny got that. Dry boy. Um, Frank, I love what Schofield's rolling with at the moment. He's got a full, dusty cut, and then just the whole middle of it is bald. <laughs> it is rubbish, Ridiculous. mate. It is terrible. Are you are you still going, Frank? Or are you done now? <laughs> that's me done. Jeez, that's a long, long space section. Oh. Uh, uh, just a quick one for me, Paddy. Uh, there's a bloke who runs around in the Collingwood jumper. It's hard to miss. He's 211 centimetres. Uh, he's American, right? And he wants to bring Americanisms into our game. Well, if you're any good, mate, you would have made it as a basketballer, you gigantic dickhead. 65 games you've played, averaging 1.2 goals a game and eight touches. Yes, you fluked a prelim. And you bent over Alex Rance. Well done. That's three years ago, mate. Two years ago. Just, you had your, you had an okay game last night. You had an okay. You kicked two goals. Well done. Congratulations. You didn't set the world on fire. You didn't break Tony Lockett's goal-kicking record. You didn't kick your 1,361st goal. You are just a big American potato. When you kick a goal, you don't have to walk up to the bloke and the man on the mark and say, oh, did that just go through? Did I just kick one? At least, I'll give you one thing. You did top it off. You did follow up with a bloody good running goal again remove your arm from your ass you're not going to ever do that ever again <laughs> you are no good stop pretending like you're a superstar you're lucky to be in the side and i would love to see you do your acl lucky to be in the side even a real structure love to see you do your acl <laughs> yeah now about the fact that he's going to get paid 550 grand next year and stop the pies re-signing one of their actual good players Oh, old mate Brody might check out the door because you've got to pay Coxie. Yeah, he's been on a rookie rate wage for three years while big Cockzilla, the wanker, Cockzilla. has just invoked a contract extension for 550 You are kidding, aren't you? <laughs> Bank robbery. It's, uh, I was waiting for this. I was going to kind of say it in the get around me section, but uh, I can kind of breathe a bit easy. I'm not going back at uh, Wizzy a bit. I, I was waiting all year and I, I was pretty explicit about it early in the year. With Isaac Rankin, I go, he's, uh, he's a good player. No doubt he's going to be a very good player. But I just questioned how he stood up in the good t- in the uh, pivotal times in the games. And I go, oh, maybe. But And I was always uh, worried about how he gave a bit of lift but hadn't really done it yet. But like we said, Cox gave it a bit, but he's done it before and he did it again. Isaac Rankin, the last quarter, had one disposal. So where were you, mate, when the game was on the line? You're going to be a good player, but just just back in your horse, mate. You know Mason Cox yet, so just so just sit back there a little bit. Uh, anyone else spraying this week? Yeah, I've just got a brief one, Paddy, and it. Bryce Gibbs. Bryce Gibbs. I've got an issue with Bryce Gibbs because absolute reflection on him on the weekend hasn't been able to get a game for three years or whatever he's been Adelaide. Comes out for his farewell on the weekend with blonde tips in his fringe. And to me, that just sums up where he's at as, as a bloke. One, as a bloke. Two, as a human being. Because blonde, 
Bryce, you looked horrendous, mate. You looked horrendous. You know you're going to be doing media. You know you got to have farewell. You, as as we said, nearly got the car out and drove around the ground for for such a storied career that you've had at Adelaide. But geez, those blonde tips looked shit house. Sort of thing I'd expect Patrick Farley to roll, and that is absolutely a reflection on you, Bryce. Really rethink yourself. And as Paddy would say, maybe give yourself an uppercut. Uh, I'm not sure who that's uh, doing it uh, dissatisfaction to me or Bryce, uh, comparing us as blokes. But uh, fair enough, I'm with you, Fez. That's a pretty shit look. I'll go on to our next part, our last part, our list. And uh, obviously, AFL, it's a game of individual brilliance sometimes. And sometimes the individual brilliance doesn't come from the best players. So our list this week is the best acts or performances done by under-average players. So there's anything from specific moments, games, string of games, entire seasons, entire careers, how they've got a game. So, uh, Fez, would you like to kick us off? Yeah, no worries, Paddy. I wasn't, unfortunately, able to really sink my teeth into this and go back through the memory bank. So I've got just the three quick ones here. I'm sure probably maybe some of the other boys might have some of these as well. But Jason Graham coming second in the Norm Smith medal is a disgrace. How does that happen? Uh, That is a a great performance by a bloke who was solid, but as Paddy described, below average to, to take that. To have that finish that well on a normie is incredible. Obviously, Dean Polo's debut uh, Dream Time at the G, that was one out of the box for a genuine proved spud, uh, really stood up. And the other one that I had just to finish with, Andrew McAlter winning an Anzac Day medal uh, is just... Wasn't a- Andrew McAlter. Was it Mark McGough? Mark McGough. Mark McGough, that's right. I always confuse those two. 90% of the time, I have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. Both spuds. <laughs> I always confuse. They look similar. Andrew McWalter played for St Kilda. He didn't yeah, no, in both day. spuds, though. At least, at least you can confuse him with another spud. Yeah, but genuine spud won an Anzac Day medal blew me mind. That's uh, fair enough. Wizard? Yeah, I also had McGough, not McWalter, but McGough. Uh, there, there is one there is one that stands clear, and we all were pretty young when this happened, especially you, Paddy. You weren't uh, actually born. You're still in Frank Sack. But um, not Frank. Bloody not, not Frank me. Farley. <laughs> <laughs> um, 1997 grand final. Right? A bloke by the name of Shane Allen, who played 65 games in his career, averaged nine touches a game, and kicked 16 goals in his career. 16 goals in his whole career, kicked five on grand final day. <laughs> he was a backman. He got sent forward by Blighty. I couldn't give a rat's toss back. And had not kicked a goal that year in 1997. Didn't get in the side till round 12. And has 12 touches, six marks, and kicks five goals, one on grand final day to sink Saints supporters after their 31-year drought. But he's going to have to live with that. Oh, that would just tear your heart out. We would just rip you to shreds. blight genius in the coaching box, clearly. Yeah, just be, be like Pittman. He's, Pittman, he's going to have to live with that. Um, <laughs> but the other one that springs to mind is, uh, and he wasn't best on game or anything, but if you have a look back at the last quarter of Shannon Burns in that uh, same game that Jason Graham finished runner-up in the uh, Norm Smith 2009 grand final, just absolutely turns Raf Clark, another peanut, inside out three times and did what he want with him. So Shannon Burns, very average two-time premiership player. And Shane Allen, 
just that was out of the box. That's uh, fair enough. Floody? Yeah, I've got a uh, current day player in Aaron Hall, uh, who in 2016 polled three Brownlow votes in the first three games of the year and only the third player to do so. And he's an absolute spud. I've no <laughs> idea how he pulled those three games together where he was looked like the best player in the competition. But I've uh, got him. Uh, Wiz has just reminded me of, uh, speaking of blokes going forward and kicking bags, Nick Digan in the uh, 2013 <laughs> elimination final. Just uh, breaking Richmond Hearts' cup and uh, steamrolled to a famous famous win from ninth. Kick it, Jeffrey. He does. Carlton are on their way to Sydney. Uh, Nick Dagen with four goals there. I think that was his last game for the club as well before he, his knee absolutely ruined him. But that was a brilliant performance. And then the other one I've got is uh, Brad Darziel. Uh, special mention to Brad because he has two Ds in his first name rather than just one at the end of Brad. So special mention for that. But he also, he broke the record for the most touches on debut with 32 and just really never did anything after. I think he's, so the rest of that season, he averaged about 30 touches. And then after that, he was absolutely done with only 43 games. That's because he didn't do anything with the ball, Frank. Just, Just got it. Yeah, I know, but there's lots of blokes who get it and don't do anything with it, but he just completely lost the plot. That's uh, fair enough. Uh, I'll go to my list. I had a couple like McGough and Aaron Hall as well, but uh, one, there's, I've, got a, I've got probably three or four here. One that, and a couple that real hurt, uh, Jack Fitzpatrick, real good bloke, but uh, sinking the pies one day in a round 22 game at the G, and he didn't even know he kicked the goal for about 60 out. That uh, really hurt. Also, Jack Watts sinking the pies hearts on... Uh, Queen's birthday one day, taking four bounces and slotting one from 30 out of the boundary. Uh, we talk about string of games. Let's talk about a season as a whole. Shane Wofel was we deemed him before, like under average player to win a Brownlow. Like unbelievable scenes. Um, ben Ronk kicking seven. I think it was against the Hawks. Uh, that's just really good. Good one, there. good one, Patty. Yep. Yeah, uh, still yet to be manned up. Still yet to be manned up against in the Gulf Square. And my last one is. It's going back in time. So this is before he was discovered. Uh, wasn't I didn't have great form, but I had to bring him up. Big, the big man, Mason Cox, tearing Alex Rance, a new arsehole in the 2018 prelim. And unfortunately, get the job done next week, but that's just a uh, big Coxie career-defining game at that stage. So uh, just that's all from me. Anyone else want to add anything on there? Uh, just, uh, I just came across another one, Patty. I was just looking at the list I put together, but Jason Tut. On debut, had 26 disposals and kicked four goals, and then only ended up playing 40 games through his he career. And he couldn't get a kick at BFL level, buddy. No. Nah. And then to go with that, so his first kick at AFL level went was a goal, then his second, and his third. So his first three <laughs> kicks were all goals. And I tell you what, Jesus was downhill for Tuddy after that, and then the Blues uh, picked him up and. Obviously saw something that nobody else saw in uh, yeah, 40, 40 games in 40 games and he was done. <laughs> I like it, Frank. Thanks everyone for tuning in this week. Uh, follow and subscribe on all our social media at post game on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Thanks for tuning in. Catch you next episode.